You're listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks, a biblical, practical, and spiritual conversation about living and leading worship. Let's lean into today's episode. Man, today I'm excited. Uh, Dustin Smith and I have been hanging out. When did we meet? Like, Oh man, this is like 40 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> We're old. We're old. I turned 40 in just a couple months. So. Okay, it was probably like eight years ago. Yeah, right? probably eight years ago. I was a worship pastor in D.C. at National Community Church, yep. and you were just traveling around writing and yeah. doing the thing with integrity. I think that's where we met. Yeah, I was based out of Kansas City. I was leading worship in Kansas City, and I was driving up here doing songwriting and stuff mm-hmm. for integrity. Mm-hmm. I think we met at that integrity yep. retreat. It was a retreat, and then I saw this giant of a man, and I was like, I've got to be like friends with he him. Is, yeah, he, he could be my security guard. <laughs> One of the things that I get to do is travel around coaching church planters, and I'm seeing it more and more where uh, men and women that have been leading worship for quite some time feel this call, feel this draw to go a little bit deeper, take that next step, and often it's in the role of a lead pastor. So, man, Dustin, unpack, what, yeah, man. what was that like for you? How did you get to that place? I don't, actually, you know, what's funny is I don't really think it was that hard for me. I think that what, a, you know, I, I think God's doing something radical when we can say that, that worship leaders, it used to be youth pastors, you know, they were right. all taking over churches. And uh, But <laughs> when we start seeing worship pastors, you know, when I moved to Nashville, one of the reasons I moved is, you know, I felt the Lord ask me, are you willing to step off a stage and help raise up some shepherds? He said, mm. I have too many kids with guitars and not enough shepherds. Come on. And I think like, I think we've done a disservice in the church over the years because we were so focused on music and trying to keep up with the times and everything going on that we just hired musicians to Mm. lead instead of shepherds to guide, Mm. you know? And for me, I've always considered songs are just a rod and a staff for me. You know, I use a rod to beat the crap out of every enemy that's been whispering (laughs) in our people's ears all week. And I use a staff to pull people together to to focus us. And, you know, sometimes have to knock the ankles a little bit and guide. And so I feel like for me, it was not a hard shift because I feel like music for me was just my rod and staff, just my weapon of choice in a sense. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like, so, and when I'm leading worship, I'm using just music as a tool. It's just a tool or a weapon for me. So really pastoring and being a lead pastor, I'm kind of just, I'm really not, I'm still a worship leader. I still lead worship with my, you know, we have a worship leader at our church, but Mm -hmm. uh, we lead alongside each other and he takes it. He's the guy who's, you know, pulling the group together. He's guiding them, but he's a pastor too. He's, his heart is for pastoring. So Mm -hmm. it really wasn't a hard shift for me. I feel like it's something that God's starting to put on us instead of just looking at the music, like look in the people's eyes, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're going to start guiding people and leading people as a lead worshiper or lead pastor. And I feel like shepherding is supposed to be one of the main things that we do in worship leading. And I think that shift is happening now. Now, would you say, I mean, I, I could say, you know, I started leading worship 12 or 13 years old. My dad was the lead pastor of a church in Roanoke, Virginia. I think I was just free labor. So, he, he put, <laughs> you know, he put me on stage and I could, you know, sing some Disney songs around the house. So that's really yeah. how I got into yeah. leading worship. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't really say I knew how to pastor right. in worship. Yeah. That wasn't until my time in DC, really, yeah. where I started to care more about people than just songs. Yeah. And, you know, I heard Aaron Keyes once say, you know, we've got worship leaders and worship pastors. Worship leaders lead songs. Worship pastors lead people. Yeah. And we don't need any more worship leaders. Yeah. And so I would ask, like, you know, how do you go from the heart of a 
person that just loves music and loves to lead songs and maybe you've been put in that role yeah. as a worship leader, yeah. but you feel called and drawn more to care for people. What's that first step like? What was it like for you? Did you always lead worship with a pastor's heart or was that more of a journey for you? Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it though, is like even when you're a kid, I think it's awesome to put kids in that position. Mm -hmm. uh, David was put in that position. So when David's in the field, is David a king already? No. But in God's eyes, he was. Right. Because in God's eyes, he's he's taking sheep and he's guiding them. Mm. He's, you know, he's protecting them. And then God looks down and is like, yeah, that's the guy I want leading my people. Because if he'll take care of sheep in that position. Wow. So he he saw him as a king before David became a king. Mm -hmm. Or before David ever saw himself a king. Or anyone saw him as a king. So I think it's starting to put on even kids and other worship leaders. It's not that you're, you know, I think pastorally we're looking at it and we're saying like, well, as a pastor, you need to, I, I think the the word pastor has been kind of hard for us. Because if I take a kid right. and I go, well, you're a pastor, that's hard because if I ask, and I did this when I first took over as lead pastor, I got in our church and I was like, I want you to sit down. I want you to write two things that you think a pastor is. Wow. Well, in a, you know, if you have a church of a hundred people, even, that's a lot of opinions. Yeah. You know how many, yeah, you're going to have <laughs> 200 different answers. If right, you have a right. hundred people, you're probably going to have 500 different answers. It's with, a 700 hour a week job. Yeah, it is. And, because and you got 50. Yeah. yeah. We're, we're saying, well, that's a counselor. You know, that's a person who's right. going to be a counselor and that's a person who's going to be a, you know, watch kids. And that's a person who's a financial and a business guy. And that's mm -hmm. a, you have to be all these things. And I just don't think that when that word pastor is used, that's, that's not what it meant, you mm. know? And I think even as kids leading worship, we can teach them and guide them of like, your job is to, to protect. And so how do we protect? Well, we watch for wolves. We watch, we watch our sheep. We're looking and we're seeing, we're looking in their eyes and, mm -hmm. we're, and we're not. So even with our youth band and our youth here at the church, you know, we're talking to them, like learn the songs. Right. But learn the songs outside of here so when you walk into here, you can use it to be able to guide. And, and here's honestly, okay, let's just do this. This is what I feel like pastoring is. Uh, in Second Corinthians, it says, for the weapons that we fight with are not of this world, right. but they're powerful to demolish every stronghold argument and pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Hmm. So my job when I walk into a room, and this is what I'm teaching even my son, who's 16, leading worship, is like, hey, buddy, when you walk in and you're singing songs, look out at the people hmm. and see what walls are keeping them from the knowledge of God. Because wow. you're going to use your praise as a weapon to tear down those walls. Mm -hmm. That's our job. So what are we doing? Well, what it does is shepherding doesn't mean that you're, you know, that, oh, I trained him to be a fighter. He's now a shepherd. No, a shepherd is somebody who fights because of the people. Mm. It's not just because he picks a fight. Mm -hmm. It's because I see something not happening. I see unrighteousness happening and I'm going to bring righteousness to the situation. I'm mm -hmm. asking God all the time, like, what do you want to do in the room? And so I think even as kids, you know, I'm not saying that it's not, you know, if you have a kid with a guitar, they shouldn't be leading worship. But what I am doing is say, when you put that kid in position, remind him, your job is to take care of the sheep. I mean, even when David's anointed, dumped oil on him. Mm -hmm. And as soon as the oil, you know, he dumps oil and Samuel's like, you're the next king. And then Jesse's like, get your butt back out there, right, watch those right, sheep. Right. Not to us, you're not. <laughs> yeah, get back out there, watch those sheep. And what did David do? He did it. He did it. Yeah. He didn't stand there like, no, I'm the I'm the freaking king now. Right, right, right. You know, right. Yeah. you go out and watch sheep. No. No, because he he knew he knew his job. He knew what he was supposed to do. And that is what trained him. So when he goes to fight Goliath, which I which is really the establishment of David as king, I think, you know, in in, in the eyes of the people it was. Mm -hmm. He goes out and he talks to the current king and he says, I'm gonna fight that guy. And Saul's like, What makes you think you can do that? And he said, I killed a lion and a bear with my bare hands protecting sheep. Right. And he's like, oh, 
well, that's pretty big, yeah. you know? And so, yeah, what did it, what qualified you? So you were a king before you were a king. You're a shepherd before you're a shepherd. You know what I mean? You kind of just pinpointed on, I think, why so many worship leaders transition into that role because they've been there, they've done that, and they want to empower the next generation. They want to empower that in others. I know for me, and, and maybe this is a similar story for you, I think, you know, and this is funny because Christians, I think, are the only people on the planet that use the word seasons other than weather. And, but, you know, we go through these seasons in life and God never lets us step backwards. Yeah. He only has us moving forward. Yeah. And so, you know, when I look on, you know, from 13 to 18 as a worship leader, figuring things out. And then my time in college, I mean, we all know you're figuring out who you are in that you're figuring out identity. And then I was touring with a rock band and then I was leading worship as a volunteer under uh, a Danny Chambers, a pastor here in Nashville. And I learned so much in that. And that's when I moved to DC as a worship pastor mm, yeah. and then a campus pastor and then worship director over eight campuses. And, you know, it was like, you're, you're taking these steps and God's like, okay, I dare you to take one more. I dare you to take one more. And you eventually get to this place where you're like, God, I'll do anything you're asking me to do. Yeah. And he says, well, what I want you to do is the thing that you're most passionate about, but in a way that propels others into their ministry. Yeah. And that's kind of something that I've I've noticed more in my life as I've gotten older, as I've got kids, and I know you've got kids, yeah. and we kind of get into the season where, man, I'm totally fine not even being on the stage. I'm totally fine not even having an instrument in my hands. I wanna be able to see other people stepping into that gifting because that's part of discipleship that's part of making disciples. Yeah. And I think you can do that in the context of worship because, and you know this, like musicians just have this connecting point where it's like, dude, I don't know you from Adam and yet we both love the same song or the same artist yeah, or yeah. we'll connect over that. That's part of the power of worship is God uses it to connect people. He uses the music aspect to tear down walls and say, hey, it doesn't matter where you're from or it doesn't matter your background or whatever, like this song has a way of cutting straight to your heart yeah. and I'm gonna use that to connect others. And I know you do that as well with your team and I think there's something with that where you're like going to, to battle together. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's part of it for me is I actually, uh, man, I think I just look at things so differently because I, I I have a real hard time with this pastoring thing. I grew up in the church. My great grandpa was a pastor. My grandpa mm -hmm. was a pastor. My uncles, my dad, everybody's a pastor. You know, it's like, but I think for <laughs> you me, had no choice. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I actually tried to trick God, you know, because yeah. I always heard people say, you know, don't tell God you don't want to do something. You're going to have to do it. So I like tried to reverse psychology, the reverse psychology. And I was nice. like, God. I want to be a pastor yeah. and I still had to do it. So it's like, there's just no, there's no way. Out. <laughs> no, I think that, you know, that's what I've always loved about you. Like when you and I sit and have conversations, everything you just said about, you know, what, how you went from different place to different place and each time how it transitioned into something else. But part of that is like, it's function over title. Like t mm. pastoring isn't supposed to be a title. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be a function. Wow. Like it, you could call somebody a pastor, but I, I, I know a lot of guys called pastor who aren't pastors. Mm -hmm. They don't because pastoring, I function as a, as a caretaker. I, I function as a person who cares about people. And every conversation I've ever had with you about worship or anything is always about the people. Mm. It's always about how do we get these people face to face with God? How do we, and every song we, you and I've written together, it's like, right. I just want them to encounter God, mm. how I've encountered them. And like, but that's a shepherd. And so you're trying to, you're trying to, you know, sit down and you're trying to songwriting is just crafting hammers and tools. It's like, <laughs> how do I help them build something? How do I help them fight something, you know? And so mm. it's, it's interesting because 
the way that I look at it is I really look like when we've brought in worship leaders and we've tried to keep up with the times, we basically transition fathers out and bring sons in, which I, I love having sons in. But why do fathers have to tr- have to transition out for a son to be successful? Mm. Why? Why? You know, in my house, for my son to become a man, eventually he may go get his own house or he may take over the business. He may work side by side with me, however that however that would be. But the truth is, he can become a man in my house. If he doesn't, he's immature. He's always acting immature. Mm-hmm. But but I can champion him to take on some things, do some things. But he doesn't say, "Well, I don't want you around, or I don't need you being a part of this." You know, there's in, room for both of you. Yeah, in your own house, right? You know, it's like, yeah. well, you you play no role here now. And it's weird, man, because we've moved mothers and fathers out of the worship world. And then we wonder why is it so much a wreck? You know Mm. why? Because we haven't stayed as fathers and walked with them and let them know we want you to win, but we're not going to leave you by yourself. That's huge. Like I want to pause there because I literally just had a conversation with a worship leader and he's got a pretty big role in a large church. And he, he told me, he's like, well, you know, Curtis, worship leaders got a shelf life on it. You know, we're going to age out of this thing. And I, I said, says who? Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I mean, our boy Paul Balazs still going at yeah. it. Bob yeah. still going at it. These yeah, guys right? are awesome, man. Like, yeah. and I, re- I remember like, you know, like reading the, the greatest stuff from like John Wimber well on in his years and like, yeah. man, just incredible giants of the faith. And I'm like, I don't, I don't think we need to put a shelf life on it because part of that is just reflecting culture. Yeah. Oh, well, you're no longer valuable or no longer needed here. We're going to get a an, an shinier, younger model in here. Yeah. And it's like, well, I think what we, you just said is that it's so important to have mothers and fathers in the faith walking alongside yeah. and not just saying, okay, here, hey, let me just hand everything. Good luck. Yeah. You know, but it's yeah. one of those things where like I know for me, and and you were just telling me earlier today that you've got uh teacher teachers on your staff and, and people that that uh have been in this faith well into their sixties and seventies. And you know, for us at Bridges, we've got a, a, a staff pastor who's almost sixty years old and he just kind of like walks with this experience and wisdom and I want those people around me. Yeah. I'm not gonna push them out and say, well, you've aged out. No, just the opposite. Yeah. I think you never get to a place where you've arrived. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. And so talk about that. Like why why do we feel like we have to reflect culture in that? Is that something yeah. that's crept into the church at large? Is it just yeah. in worship ministry? How have you seen that play out? No, I think it's a church at large. I mean, I, I think we were horrible at honoring, you know, generational mm. thinking and 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 actually, you know, scripture, even when you're you're reading scripture, we don't even read it right because we read it based on those dynamics. But honestly, it's a metric system we've established. And a lot of it has to do with just keeping up with the current cool things, you know? Right. And and it's hard, man, when you're reading something about a successful church and we're all readers and we're trying to, you know, this is what makes a great church plan. This is what, and, and I, I'm gonna be really honest with you. <laughs> I'm not reading those books because I know that, it's not that they're bad or they're wrong and there's some good stuff out there. So right. I, I'm not against any of it. I'm just saying like, it's hard because what what works here like and i you know our work is so different it's so unique here mm-hmm. but like i'm not trying to do it to be unique mm-hmm. i'm trying to ask god like what do you need in this city and how do we establish that and the metric system of success in the church is so wacky man mm-hmm. that it's like it's based on these numbers or if this song hits this chart or right. if like i got and and so now we have people longing to step into that that's why i'm really worried about some 
I feel like God is starting to raise up some powerful women that have actually not been allowed to minister and things wow. like that. And But the problem is they're going to fight for what we've said is success. And God's trying to dismantle a platform a lot of women are now trying to fight to be on mm. because we established that that's what success is. Wow. And I'm saying like, no, like you need to be a voice. You need to be empowered. But don't just fight for that stage because God's dismantling a stage because we've built it as the metric system of success. So when you get on Instagram and you see a church, you're just like, mm -hmm. your heart, it's weird, man, because your flesh is like, I want that, wow. you know? And and God's like, well, are you? I want you like this. And Jesus, I mean, he's the ultimate example, right? Everybody wants to be like Jesus, they say. But Jesus, at the end of his life, prays this prayer. And he's like, he's like Father, I, I, I did well with what, what you, you gave, gave me, me. Yeah. and that was 12 guys and he goes and i only lost one mm. i was like even jesus lost almost 10 percent of his congregation you wow. know and and in that role i realized like jesus didn't you know say man i gathered the five thousands right. and i preached and i he's like i did with the 12. right and, and i don't know that our metric system doesn't allow you to be happy with the 12. Wow. And I'm not saying we shouldn't have, but you know, we have a bigger church than 12, obviously. But one of the things that helps me, like even when we started the Hope You See Nashville, one of the reasons we started is because of our example, uh, Mark and Darlene Check in yeah. Australia. Wow. Like she's a mother of the mm. faith. But here's the power of it. I went to their conference, you know, I wanted to get up. I, of course, wanted her to get up and lead shout to the Lord. She wouldn't do it. But, <laughs> you know, I'm like chanting shout to the Lord. You have to. Everybody just thought I was just worshiping really hard. <laughs> but, um, but I watched her on the front and she was on her knees while really the, the sons and daughters of the house were leading worship. And, and then that night she stepped in with them, but it was awesome to watch because she championed them, but you could tell they were like, come up here with us. And she's mm. like, not doing it, not doing it. And then that night she did come and it was so awesome to watch this dynamic of family. Mm -hmm. And when we started Hope You See Nashville, I asked God before we started, I was like, what do you want our worship team to look like? And he's like, I want it. He said, what if you never saw another church on Instagram and you knew you would never be seen? What would it look like? Come on. I said, it looked like a family. You know, it's interesting. Uh, one of the greatest talks I've ever heard on worship was given by our friend Jesse Reeves mm. at the Austin Stone Conference. And he talked about worship porn. And yeah. it's just go watch it. You know, yeah, don't take Curtis's <laughs> word for it. <laughs> well, it's like when you're scrolling on Instagram and you're seeing what you envision as success because the culture at large has told you yeah. bigger, better, flashier, that's what you're going after. Yeah. And so now you have, like you just said, a whole generation of musicians being raised in the church, never getting out into the world and never really establishing roots. And and you know, the, the danger there is that your God is a totally different image than the one true God. Like you're going after yeah. something that you've made in your image because that's what you really think as worship and success when it really is going back to David out in the fields, yeah. in the pastures. Yeah. The reason that God saw him and the reason that he was called a man after God's own heart is because he worshiped out on the pasture long before he got to the palace. Yeah. And it's that humility, I think. Yeah. Now, now correct me if I'm wrong, but as a lead pastor, I feel like I've gotten the snot beat out of me like I, I tell people it's dying a thousand deaths yeah. and then you get up in the morning and when your feet hit, hit the floor, it's like, all right, devil, let's do it again. Yeah. But what you're learning along the lines is humility. Yeah. You go from pride to praise. Anything you don't turn into pride turns into uh, praise and anything you don't turn into praise turns into pride. Mm. And it's this old Hebrew thought of like, man, you got to turn everything into praise. God's worthy of it all. Yeah. And so often in leading worship, we forget that 
I was just reading this this morning, Deuteronomy 10, verse 8. This is where Moses gives this Levitical charge, and he says, hey, here's three things you're supposed to do. Carry the Ark of the Covenant, a.k.a. the presence of God. Yeah. You're supposed to stand before the Lord and minister and to pronounce blessings in his name. Yeah. And so, okay, carry his presence, minister to God, yeah. and bless others in his name. Yeah. That's the Levitical calling. And then when you go to, I think it's First Peter 2, 9, where we're a royal priesthood and a chosen generation, like modern day Levites. I don't know if you grew up with that phrase, yeah, but like yeah. in the church circles yeah. I ran in, modern day <laughs> Levites was huge. And, and so that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. Where do you see pride in that? Yeah. What, what happens is where you see pride is when we start to make ourselves the object of worship. Yeah. And when we start to make the actual songs more important than the moment. Yeah. And, and, you know, one of the things I love about your ministry and I've seen you do it and I've been in the room is, you know, we've been talking about worship pastors and, and, and lead pastors and that, that word pastor, obviously like shepherd is the, the, the Greek word that we have out of Ephesians four shepherding moments. How do you shepherd moments? Because yeah. this is one of those things where I think it's so key for the worship leaders listening. And even for those that are you know, God, are you leading me to this next step of pastoring in a lead pastor role or in yeah. a preaching pastor role? Shepherding moments is so key. Yeah. You got to shepherd people and shepherd moments. How do you do that in a way that is true to your gifting, but also honors the Holy Spirit yeah. moving in the room? Man, I think there's a lot of aspects to it. I mean, you probably do 20 podcasts on just that. Mm -hmm. But I, I think the basics of it for me is, you know, we have to kind of step back like it we talk about, you know, not the metric system of success and like the lights and all that kind of stuff. But then some people like who are leading maybe right now at a larger church, you've got all the lights stuff. You're like, well, shoot. So like, I'm going to get rid of the lights and get your, well, that doesn't change a heart though. Mm. I can actually, you know, I can actually have lights and have heart. Mm -hmm. The problem is we've replaced heart with lights. And so mm -hmm. it's like, we have to have, it's, we've had this audience driven thing for so long and we've almost become the performers. And the way to break out of that is just like a dad would break down at a house, you know, with a son. It's like it, things are things are not not necessarily right. We don't just leave your son just doing his thing and hope it changes. You stop every once in a while and you look in their eyes and you go, hey, look at look at me. Look mm -hmm. at my eyes. Mm -hmm. Like, you know how much I love you? Mm. Like what's happening right now is not right, man. And we never do that in church. Wow. And I think sometimes you have to stop in the middle of all of it. I don't care if you have the lights and the smoke and the sound. I want all of it. People who say like, because we've had whole movements who've done away with that, but we didn't change their hearts. Right. So now they just don't have lights or heart. <laughs> you know, now it's like, Bad combo. that's even worse. <laughs> I don't want to be a 12 people who have no heart either. Like, that's not the point. You know, the point of it is, is you can do this with lights and smoke and all that kind of stuff. I, I love it. I, I think, you know, my argument for it, even in shepherding, is when I've had it, you know, we had a guy who's like, we should, maybe we should just get rid of lights. It's like, do you know that we have a lighting guy who loves God with all his heart and he actually spends hours designing wow. lighting for the glory of God? He wants it to be beautiful. It's almost mm. his way of painting. Mm -hmm. So, like, yeah, okay. So, but, but the problem is the 
I have to get the other people to understand that. So maybe sometime I need to I need to introduce this guy and let people know when he does lighting, you know what he's doing? He's painting a room and he's trying to make this a beautiful space for God. And wow. but people don't know that. And yeah. we don't ever take the time to teach. Wow. And I think that's my problem with it is like we'll just barrel through a worship list. And it's like, I know some of you can't, you know, it's like my pastor doesn't want me teaching. Yeah, but there's little things that you can say to direct and guide and let mm. God speak through whatever is happening and you have to be really intentional then with the list what's my purpose with the list and if i can't do it in church service i can do it with my worship team mm-hmm. so when i sit down to practice i'm going to sit with them and i'm going to teach them because what flows out of them actually pours onto the people so like wow. i'm going to shepherd so i have to if i'm going to shepherd at a macro level i have to shepherd at a micro level and i have to make sure that one-on-one when i'm with them so worship leaders like my pastor never let, let me do that i was like does your does your pastor care if you have two people from your worship team over to your house to worship with you? Mm. Well, no. Have you done it? Because they'll be shepherded there right. and that will start to spread. And 12 people from your worship team could spread it through your whole church without you having to take a teaching moment so in good. the middle of something. So and if good. your pastor knows that you love God, love, love God and love the people as much as he does, he's probably going to be a lot more lenient in what you teach. That's a huge thing because, I mean, one of the things that we love to do is teaching moments in worship, matching story and scripture to song. You know, I think when you, I mean, think about this, half of a church worship service is gonna be music, right? That's teaching theology just as much as the message would be. So it's yeah. so important, you know, when you're talking about as a pastor of worship and 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 you're 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 shepherding, you're protecting the flock, you're you're even theology. Like, what are you singing? What are you allowing in? Because not all songs are great theology. Yeah. So yeah. you got to have that filter and you've got to have that lens in a shepherd mentality, but also to shepherd moments well. I think often we do a disservice by just moving from song to song. Whereas there's a moment in there, you know, I I just remember, you know, we had a lot of new believers and unbelievers and de-churched and unchurched and re-churched in DC. And so when I did the song Lion and the Lamb, you know, for me, I grew up reading Revelation every year, you know, like our, our church, we, we knew what the Lion of the Lamb meant, but for somebody first stepping into a church, why am I singing about animals? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> I don't understand this. So just taking a brief moment before yeah. that song, and I would say, hey, this next song comes out of the book of Revelation where it talks about Jesus as the Lion of Judah, and he's yeah. strong and mighty, and he's also the Lamb, innocent, slain on your behalf yeah. for your sin. And just making that Correlation and and taking away the confusion for somebody. That's a teaching moment. That's a shepherding moment right there. Yeah, even this weekend, we led for a group that a lot of them aren't believers. We lead Mm -hmm. outside of our church too. And you and I have talked about that. Maybe it's another day, but um, (laughs) we actually shifted in the middle of service. We actually did the song Gratitude, just the chorus and bridge of gratitude. And, you know, the bridge says, come on my soul, you know, and it's like waking up. Like, and so just at the end of it, I mean, these are a lot of us, half of them aren't even believers, you know? And so, but you can tell something's happened in the room. Mm. And so it doesn't have to be a long teaching moment what I what I did was I said, hey, we almost didn't do this song, but I felt like today in this room, there's a scripture that says, why so downcast, oh my soul? Mm-hmm. Put your trust in God. So why would I be downcast? It's where my trust level's at. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to awaken not just your soul, I'm trying to awaken trust. Wow. And so can we all just say that? Can we just say, I trust you, God? Mm. I, I trust you, God. No, say it again. W- wake up your soul. Like, wake up your I trust you, God. 
like i trust you god like come on my so Mm -hmm. so you're going right back into it i don't need a 30 minute teaching i don't need a i need an awakening wow you know and so i think that's where we have to get to the point of like that's shepherding because that's that's basically saying like okay i gotta stop here i gotta i gotta knock some ankles a little bit that's i gotta get us all closer and now people are looking around like yeah maybe I have put my trust in something else than God. Mm -hmm. That's probably why I'm down. Mm -hmm. So I need to waken this thing up. And that's shepherding, you know, just like you said, it's like that teaching moment doesn't have to be major, but it has to show I care enough about you to not just sing around you. That's so good right there. I want to sing through you. And I want you to understand this. What's really cool is that now the people in the room, when they hear that song later on, they're going to remember that moment. Mm -hmm. And what I love is when when we match scripture and story to song on a Thursday, a mom who's going through a really hard time with her kids remembers yeah. this song that she sang on Sunday and was yeah. like, what was that scripture? Oh, it came out of Romans 8, 28. Yeah. She goes back to the word. Now they're diving deeper into the word because you armed a song with the power of the word. Yeah. And that's really all worship is, right? It's just prayer put to melody. It's just scripture put to song. And, and you know, one of the things that we teach our team is that, you know, music plus message equals memory. That's good. So when you yeah. put message and music together, it's going to embed into the memory of a song. Yeah, and that's so good, man. Hey, with our time remaining, you know, just these last few minutes, let's say we have some some people listening and they've kind of been in this worship pastor or worship leader role for a, a, a while and there's feeling a stirring in their spirit. What's one just piece of practical advice that you can say, hey, m- maybe this is your next step and just hearing from the Lord and posturing yourself, could he be calling you out to something deeper? Yeah. I mean, my number one thing, Jesus says, I only do what I see my father do. And unless you know what the father's doing, then a lot of the things we're doing are humanistic, kind of leading by a different metric system. Hmm. And so I want to get in the word and I want to know the heart of the father. And so I'm going to wake up every morning and I'm going to ask the Lord, like, give me a picture of somebody today that I can speak an encouraging word over. Hmm. And I want him, I want him every day to know, like, I'm not just trying to ask you to be with me for my own benefit. Like the first thing that happens is like, you know, you get filled with the Holy Spirit and there's something that comes out of you for others. Mm-hmm. And and so I want God to know, like when I'm praying in the morning, I'm just praying about my problems. Like I want to think about a person and then I'm going to text that person a word of encouragement. Mm-hmm. And that's how I start simple. I start basic by just saying, God, I want you to know I'm thinking about people. I'm thinking about people in my worship team. I'm thinking about even if it's my wife and I'm laying right next to her and I get up and I was like, I'm going to sit down and write a text and I'm just going to send mm-hmm. it because I haven't texted her a blessing in a while. You know, mm-hmm. I want to, I just want to bless you. I, I want you to know how much I love you, how you take care of the kids, how I'm so proud of how you've been cleaning up the poop from the puppy. (laughs) No, but seriously, like that is a romantic text, right? (laughs) Right? I think we just have to let God know, like for God so loved the world, right? Mm. So like, how do I get the heart of God again? You know, then I start asking him, can you remind me of the things that you love and you love people and remind me of the things you hate, you hate sin. Wow. So like there's, I want to build a love and a hate inside of my heart. Mm. <laughs> I want to build a love. It's for a big prayer. Anything that causes me to um, draw closer to being a voice for you, for your people. I want to build a hate inside of me for anything that would separate me from you. Wow. You know, and that's how I would start. Put it, put it, make it personal. Who in my church, one person, pick a person that you're going to think about, write an encouragement, text it to him because that will get you when you're standing in front of people 
God knows. I could trust them because all week long they've been thinking about these people. Wow. They've been thinking about that person. They sent that person encouragement. Then when they walk in, you know, I even tell our group, think about that the old guy in the back who always complains about how loud it is. Well, that guy, you know, I always say even ACDC's grandpa went to at least one concert, you know, so <laughs> and was like, that's my grandson. That's I hate awesome. this music, but I love I yes. love my grandson. Make him your grandpa, you know, like love yeah. that person. Think about that person. Hey, send that person encouraging text. Like, right. you know what? I know sometimes it's loud in our services, but I want to honor you because you're, you stuck with it. You're still mm -hmm. here. Even if that guy's a grouch, you know, it's like, I'm going to think about people and I'm going to love people. And I know that's the hardest thing to do, but if I'm going to love my enemies, maybe that's where I got to start. Sometimes those guys who really aren't my enemies, but sometimes have division with us. And let's try to figure out how to think about people more. Wow. And I think that's been the big point and the takeaway from today's uh, podcast is really worship is about people connecting to the presence of God. Yeah. So I love, I'll just close with the Aaron Keys quote, man. Like we've got worship leaders and worship pastors. Worship leaders lead songs. Worship pastors lead people. We don't need any more worship leaders. So good. Thanks. You've been listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks. To learn more and to find resources for worship leaders and teams, you can visit curtisparks.com. <laughs>